Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, welcome to the, I think it's episode number 10 of the Mango TV podcast. Today I'm very grateful to have my friend Zoran Todorovic. So Zoran is a one-of-a-kind coach, way shower, strategist, author, speaker. With more than 20 years in the field of coaching, ranging from life, business, and corporate coaching to the pursuit of inner peace, positive thinking, emotional and spiritual intelligence, meditation, and conscious living, Zoran is equipped to support you in whatever you aspire to achieve. Zoran has had an enlightening and successful journey that all began from a genuine desire to help people unlock their potential and strive to be equally happy and successful in both their career and personal lives. That's quite a mission, eh? <laughs> so let me ask you, what does it mean, way shower? <laughs> way shower. <laughs> way shower. <laughs> it, so? can be, it can be way shower or way shower. Way shower is somebody who shows the way, you know, and it comes. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was something to do with the shower. <laughs> no, 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 it's a way shower. But I, I love a shower. It's a good spin <laughs> on it. No, of course. You're showing the way. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Okay. So uh, if you don't mind, I would like to structure this conversation, you know, 45, 60 minutes um, around, you know, three main topics. The problems, the solution through healing and psychotherapy, and the solution through coaching. So let's jump straight in with the with the human problems. So um, I see five of them. So I see anxiety, depression, fear, addiction, self-esteem. So maybe we can go one by one and 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 see what um, what's your take on this human condition, where they're coming from, how do how do they manifest, and uh, let's start from there. So for me, well, thank you so much for, for inviting me. I'm so grateful to be with you today and to discuss these amazing topics, topics and hopefully help people who are listening to overcome some of them. So you, you started with anxiety, right? For me, anxiety is byproduct of the way we live nowadays. And the way we live nowadays is in the space of overactivation. Most of the time, you know, we are stimulated too much meaning that our nervous system gets so much imprint and so much stimulation from outside that our nervous system really doesn't know how to handle all of this overload of the information. So for me, when I work with the clients, the basic anxiety comes from activation of sympathetic nervous system, meaning that we are so bombarded that our nervous system doesn't know how to process the information. And then nobody teaches us how to activate parasympathetic nervous system. So for me, that's the disbalance between sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And we are not taught how to handle those uh, in a good way. So that's the starting point of anxiety for me. Maybe can you clarify those two systems that maybe not everybody's yeah, familiar, including, including me, to be <laughs> exactly. honest? Exactly. Yeah, that's good to learn. <laughs> so... Uh, sympathetic nervous system is nervous system that it's activating you to go to achieve to accomplish to you know move through life to have a goal to have a purpose so every morning when we wake up basically if you're lucky enough that our sympathetic nervous system is activated it will be the one who says today you have to do this right 
And a lot of the people in this society are overachievers, and so they activate their sympathetic nervous system by drinking coffee, for example, because if you don't want to, if you don't feel that energy inside of you, you need some kind of stimulants to start drinking in order for you to make uh, to activate sympathetic. So this is go, 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 go. The parasympathetic nervous system is the one who is uh, telling us to rest. This is the space when we are calming down, slowing down, taking siesta, meditating, breathing, resting, and really getting into peace. Now you can already see that in our society, not so many people are actually activating parasympathetic nervous system because we get go, 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 go. Life takes over, children, business, family, projects, social engagements, and then we have very little time basically to devote to activation of parasympathetic. It's like a parachute. Parasympathetic, you need to fall into yourself. Yeah, but then, you see, I say, why we feel anxious? And you say, because we do too much. But that's another symptom. So why do we do too much? Why do we do too much? (laughs) That's a great question. You know, to be very honest with you, I think that we belong in the culture of overachievers. I think that, you know, how the society is structured right now to success through wealth generation, to accumulation of material goods, to us mapping ourselves with other people through social media. I think everything around us tells us we need to do more. We need to be more. We're not enough ourselves. And we need to consistently strive to become somebody else. So I think that's one of the reasons, you know, that we as human beings, we're actually quite simple, Giancarlo. We model behavior that we see, right? So if you see the society is going one way, we will try to fit because we want to belong, and then we will model that behavior. So I think that's the, one of the reasons why we would like to be so active all the time. Yeah, but I know a lot of anxious people that don't do much. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're lazy people. <laughs> no, I know. But again, you know, if you really look into physiology, you can look at them from psychology and physiology. If you look from the physiology of people who are not doing too much but they're anxious, again, this is the disbalance between the nervous system. I literally coach people to kind of get to the breathing, exercising, to get to the meditation when they consciously activate their parasympathetic nervous system, and then literally anxiety disappears. So it doesn't need to be that you are one who is busy, 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 go, 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 to be experiencing anxiety, but anxiety, it's an outcome of overactivation of parasympathetic nervous system. And that can also come from trauma. It doesn't need to be from us, you know, uh, overdoing. Maybe somebody in their life had a traumatic experience, their parasympathetic nervous system got really overactivated, and now they're in a flight and fight mode. And even though they are not doing that much is still working behind the scenes. Yeah, that's where I want to go with the, with trauma. But let's cover the other ailment of, of contemporary society. So um, depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll give you from coaching perspective, right? So, so my, my lens, how I get into this is from coaching. What I've, and not psychologist per se. For me, depression, it's lack of connection to your meaning, to the purpose of your life. When we are not uh, in relationship to the, our true essence, meaning that we, don't, we haven't done enough work with ourselves to really discover what am I here to do, who am I, what is the purpose and meaning of my life, then you are not in relationship with your authentic self. When we are not in relationship with our authentic self, then we can experience the, uh, the beginning of depression, and this is lack of connection, 
and lack of connection to yourself and lack of connection to the purpose and meaning. Usually people who are depressed, they would say to you, what is my life for, right? Why am I here? <clears throat> I don't understand the meaning of this. I'm giving up, I'm resigning, I'm letting go, I'm not, you see what I mean? You know, it's, it's connect, the connection to that. Completely. And what about fearful state? The fearfulness, yeah. right? It's a faith issue <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's a faith issue for me because, the, you know, the fear usually comes from our inability to be connected to something bigger and to have a faith that we are actually taken care of, right? That we are somebody that is always guided, always protected, always loved, always appreciated. So there is a disconnect between source, God, you know, deeper self, however you call it, whatever religion you, you, you're experiencing in spirituality, and you, right? So if you don't have a faith, but unshakable faith, then the fear creeps in to actually call you back to faith. You know, I see fear as a positive mechanism because if you don't have a fear on that level, you will never remember that you're disconnected. Nice. I mean, I can see already the common thread between all these conditions, right? And what about addiction? <laughs> the addiction, what do you think about addiction yourself? I mean, you know I had an addiction problem. <laughs> I've been very public on this podcast about my cannabis addiction. Yeah. You know, I come to your podcast, then you ask me the question. Okay, <laughs> I'll ask you. So for, <laughs> I'll ask you my podcast. For, for me, addiction, again, you know, there is a part of us that is unfulfilled, that needs something. You know, from a coaching lens, whenever we have the needs that are unfulfilled, needs to be, need to be loved, appreciated, cherished, understood, uh, seen, you know, we kind of shy back into, into the addiction because they give us illusion of the need that we actually haven't fulfilled ourselves. And that becomes a comfort zone, right? And that's the reason why it becomes a repetitive behavior because you're actually resting inside of your addiction because your needs are being met, but not for real, you know, they're just the illusion of your needs Temporary being Temporary feeling of the whole. Yeah, it's a fix. Of the, of the, of the perception, you know, of the perception of the whole, which it's, it's, it's not really there. Exactly. And, and self-esteem? Ah, self-esteem. Self-esteem for me, I always redefine it to self-love, you see? The self-esteem issues come from a lack of self-love. You know, usually people in coaching industry or in psychotherapy, in psychology industry, they come into self-esteem directly by saying to people, you have to increase your self-esteem, your self-esteem is low. And that's for me a wrong take. You know, the self-esteem, it's basically absence of self-love. When one understand how unique, special, divine, amazing they really are, then that self-love generates inside of themselves and then the self-esteem become a natural byproduct, right? So it's always an issue. I don't love myself, you know. Why don't I love myself enough? You know, I'm not good looking, you know, I'm not, you know, good with the company, I'm not successful enough, you know, projections that you make for yourself, then you lose that self-love and then self-esteem suffers. Yes. So amazing. So as, you know, as you heard yourself talking, you know, you... Um, anxiety, depression, fear, addiction, self-esteem, you almost use the same words, but- In a different uh, way. In a different way. Uh, but if you had to summarize it, I would say it's a disconnection with self. And disconnection with self and disconnection with source. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to to go with this is that, um, what are what are the solution? Okay, you are disconnected with, with self, you're disconnected with your purpose, you're disconnected with source, you feel alienated. 
what is the solution? <laughs> no, 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 it's, no. A big, it's a big topic. <laughs> I mean, co- contemporary psychiatry is struggling. <laughs> they, of course. They are failing. I mean, if you go to medical science, they give you serotonin in- inhibitor. They give you SSRI, which basically artificially close your synapses so your brain can be bathing in serotonin, which obviously doesn't work mm. because there's all these side effects because we're not... Serotonin is designed to mm. to, to be to you know to to be um, to bind to the to the synapses. If you leave them around like that, then you you have all the side effect of lethargy, obesity, lack of libido. So you know you go f- yes. If you are suicidal, maybe it's better to be a vegetable. <laughs> but 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 you know what I mean. So so it's a big question. I know it that. is. It is. It is a big question. But you know all the big questions can be tackled by step by step milestones. I think that you know that that's what I love about coaching. Once again, because when people come with a huge question like this, you know, and you look into what is the solution here it's always broken into measurable doable smaller chunks you know and for me the the most important thing to understand right now is that as a society we are in a crisis of connection you know usually people would say we're in climate crisis so to say but i see it as climate crisis of connection and then each and every of us have to find back the way back into connecting first to ourselves and then to one divine creator or that we call source, let's call it a source. And I think when we pe- people begin practicing the steps or activities to connect to themselves and then connect to the source, most of these conditions will actually cease to exist. They will disappear and become obsolete. So <clears throat> how do you connect to yourself? Yeah, what are the steps? Yeah, yeah, how do you connect to that? <laughs> yes, I know <laughs> you're results driven, you see? <laughs> So connection to you, to yourself, you know, there, there are many ways, but one of the simplest way forward is to really understand yourself on the level of your essence, right? So if you think about yourself beyond your personality, right, beyond the conditioning, you know, as you know, most of us as, as kids are conditioned by age of four, so usually in Tibet or in different teachings, they tell you, show me the boy until the age of the four, then I'll show you the man, right? By the age of four, all the synapses are already formed. So we are basically from the age of four conditioned and predictable, right? And <clears throat> most of us, uh, after age of four, because we're conditioned from the society, from our parents, from our culture, from our upbringing, from what we're seeing, modeling in the world, you know, we all can absorb, absorb, absorb we keep on disconnecting from ourselves because we keep on externalizing that connection to our ego, right? So we forget about our essence. If you look into the child's eyes or, and you look really, really look and connect, you behind their eyes, you see that essence. You see who they really are. So uh, for me, the deeper connection starts from you recognizing that you are divine blueprint, your divine essence in the human form, connected to the bigger source, and you begin remembering yourself as the essence, right? On the essential level, right? How do you remember that? It's through what makes you feel good, what is the joy, because the essence always connects to joy, right? So you see children, I'm using that analogy, they're always joyful, playful, you know, willing to have a bounter, willing to, you know, laugh, willing to overcome any difficulties without any struggle, you know, they fall down, they pick up themselves up, they move on. Somebody upsets them in the school, 10 minutes later they can laugh and hug the same person moving on through joy, right? So 
the connection to yourself, to the essence, is what makes you feel joyful, right? How can you bring that joy inside of yourself and what generates the joy? And that's the, you know, gateway into the essential connection to yourself. Yes. That that's require a big leap of faith, though. You know, because this, this idea of that you are a divine being is something that maybe, you know, if you're traumatized or depressed and you had this childhood trauma and you had this emotional rupture, like neurological rupture, you know, like Gabor Mate says that, Every human has two basic needs, the need for connection and the need for authenticity. Because evolutionary, you have to be authentic in the sense of trusting your gut, not to be eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. And then you need the connection because, you know, as an infant, the first few years, you know, like a horse that you're born and just can run away, you're completely dependent to your mother. And he says that what happened is that usually when you lose the connection, the attachment with your parents because they are distracted for their own thing, nothing to do with you, then you lose your authenticity because you want to get that attachment back. In that moment, there is like a neurological rupture, which is like a neurocircuitry tear that then cause all these uh, um, diseases that we mentioned. So, okay, this is... And so you said that from age from zero to four, you have this natural joy. And then the conditioning, which probably you meant, um, you know, lack of love, lack of positive reinforcement, then condition you into these conditions. But so this is something we understand intellectually. So when you have uh, a client that... You know, clearly says that you know I have I'm either depressed or anxiety or fearful or I don't, I don't trust in myself. What do you recommend? It's a facilitation process of connection. I think it's not that difficult. I, I understand everything that you said about Gabor Mate. I love his work and, and the raptures and you know that creates kind of physical divisions and then you stop being completely authentic. But you know, authenticity it's your ability to express your essence, to express your blueprint, your soul, basically, beyond, before your ego. So that's, for me, true authenticity. When you are able to feel the flavor of your soul, feel the flavor of your essence, and then you express it, right? So with clients, this is exactly where we would go. We would go into facilitating conversation when or and that when they, rec- they can reconnect backwards into that essential part of themselves. So it will be a guided meditation, visualization, embodiment work when they really feel it in their body, memory of their childhood, anything that will activate them to remember themselves on the essential level, right? And for each person, it's different. For some people, it's just silence, stillness, right? Just being with somebody in complete and total quiet. For some people, it's talking, 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 talking a lot until they don't have to say anything any longer and they can drop into that connection as well. For some people, it's connecting to animals, you know, because animals really remind ourselves to, to connection to the essence because they connect essence to essence. They connect soul to soul. They don't connect from personality self. So what I'm saying to you, different people have a different take into connecting to their blueprint, to their essence, to their soul. But for me, we are now in the sta- a state as a humanity that this is not an option any longer, right? So, <laughs> you know, like some people say, you know, we don't have any option any longer with the climate crisis. I would say we don't have any option any longer by to connect to our 
to our essence, to our soul, and they live from that space. Anyway, what what you call the climate crisis is a disconnection with the biosphere. It's, it's the same thing. But so I really want to stay on this because um, it's also been my personal experience with coaching. You know, I had a, a Tony Robbins coach and I started a few years ago, but I think that this coaching was in some way obstructed by uh, some of these conditions. And um, I, f- I feel, you know, what really helped me, I mean, it's it's not one thing, right? It's it's a process of practices that you mentioned, the somatic or the, the meditation. One thing that I'd love you to comment on that really helped me is the work of uh, um, Renee Brown. Mm-hmm. Renee Brown. Yeah. Renee Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that basically, you know, what really block us in achieve our full poten- potential is the inability to, in- the fear of embracing vulnerability yeah. because of the shame. Mm-hmm. And and I, I saw that in myself and I see that in people I know that have a lot of potential, but they just, they're just too fearful to put themselves out there for the fear of being vulnerable because they're ashamed. And that's a huge neurological imprint that um, very few people even see. But so what are we going to do about it? (laughs) (laughs) Shame, blame, guilt, right? I think shame is the collective issue. It's, you know, we all experience it individually. But you nail, nail it there, Giancarlo, because this is a collective issue that people are not aware of at all, you know? So, and they don't understand that lack of Vulnerability actually goes to, you know, me being ashamed or shameful to be able to be vulnerable. And <clears throat> Brene Brown's work is really interesting because her take on this is that in order for us to transcend this, we have to be able to experience all the emotions inside of our body. The spectrum, she calls it the spectrum of the emotions. So most of the time we, we want to experience high frequency emotions like joy, happiness, excitement, you know, laughter exaggeration, bliss, but we kind of reluctant to go into the, you know, lower frequency emotions like tiredness, sadness, melancholy, and so on and so forth. So what she says that part to this, being in relationship with shame, transcending the shame, and then being able to be vulnerable is that we have to allow ourselves to experience all the emotion, the full spectrum. Because if you don't experience full spectrum, you you cannot experience any of these emotions to the full capacity. Meaning, if you don't allow yourself to be melancholic, you will never be able to experience full frequency of joy, right? Because you will be tempered. Yeah, you see what I mean? It's very interesting. So the healing path or coaching and healing path in that direction, it's allowing ourselves to experience everything. And then relating to those experiences like just the emotion. It's just the emotion. Emotion has, it's like a wave. It has a peak and then it moves on. So... If we feel melancholy, but we like, I don't want to feel that, I don't want to feel that, let me do something, whatever I need to do just to feel joyful, right? You don't, you're not allowing this wave of emotion to come up, to escalate, to come down, and then naturally you can move into something else. Again, we train not to allow yourselves to do this. But if you start saying, okay, cool, emotions are just emotions, this is absolutely amazing, let me experience them, then we will be able to be in relationship with our shame, and then we will be able to be vulnerable, because what is shame? You know, what what is actually energy of shame? <laughs> fear of not being accepted, fear of uh, of, of being disconnected, yeah. Yeah. fear of being seen, 
of fear of not being seen, <laughs> which is the same thing. Yeah. But you see the, the holistic approach, right? So I, what I love about this conversation and her specifically, the holistic approach, it's about embracing all the spectrum in order for that spectrum to self-regulate and then for you to be, okay, now I'm feeling shameful. Okay, cool. How do I transcend this? How do I transform this feeling? I understand. It's like a gym of feelings. Mm. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, now this is this is very interesting because um you know, I see that around me. People would say, Oh, I'm not gonna go to Los Angeles and pitch this script now at my age. And so this is a self limiting belief rooted in shame because you think you're too old and so you're not even going there. But so that's that's the one I think of the major block blockage in, in, in um in in, embra- in 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 realizing your full potential, as your coach would say. Yeah, exactly. But you also mentioned something very important there. In addition to shame, you know, and and our ability to be vulnerable. I think vulnerability is the most beautiful state. You also mentioned the beliefs. The beliefs, those are the mental instruments in your mind. And you know what I was saying that we are all shaped to believe certain things by the age of four. And our wiring inside, so our defining belief, what do we believe about ourselves is the only limitation that we have in our life, including transcending the shame and being vulnerable. And I would boil it down to it's really, really true. After 20 years of spending time with people, talking, coaching, it's always about the beliefs. What do you believe about about yourself? Basically, what is your internal dialogue? What defines your internal dialogue, what do you say to you when nobody is listening to you, when nobody is hearing you? What is that belief that it is, it's bubbling inside of you? Am I good enough? It's one of the beliefs. Can I be successful enough? Am I attractive enough? Or so on and so forth. Everybody knows that internal dialogue inside of themselves. So how to shift that further? It's to becoming aware of what you believe about yourself and the reality and then uh, choosing a belief, and many people don't even know that they can choose what they want to believe about their life, right? Because you know, you've been optimistic. You know, people don't question, "Am I good enough?" Is it? They they actually think, "I'm not good enough. I can't do that. It's too competitive. It's too difficult." But if they question, "I'm not good," if they say, "I'm not good enough," so that's the belief, right? This is what I was referring to. Where does this belief come from? Who told you that? Why do you believe this? And what do you need to do to transform it? Because belief creates feeling, right? Belief, it's, how to say it, it's masculine way. You know, it's very, very linear. Belief is linear, but it creates reality. Then it creates feeling because if you believe I'm not good enough, right? You will believe, you will feel not empowered. Feelings are magnetic, meaning that they will attract or not attract situation in your life. So you feel I am not attractive enough, I'm not good enough then the feeling and be- and the belief will create action. So now I'm not acting because I believe this, I feel not well, and I'm not acting towards that direction, and that, that will create result. So if you reverse it backwards, the moment you change the belief, that you change the way you feel, you change how you act, and then the result is completely different. So for me, this is the mechanics. So you then challenge people, like I would do in the coaching. Okay, what do you really believe about this, and how can you choose most empowering belief? You shift it, and then reality changes. Yeah, but it's easier said than done <laughs> because because that feeling of insecurity is rooted in the your neurocircuitry from childhood, from when your parents didn't show up to your um, you know art performance when you were six, 
and and all your friends' parents are there, and you see the two seats of you know your parents, Zora and Dad, and Zora Mama not there. And when you are six, seven, eight, rather than thinking, okay, something happened, you think they don't love me. They don't love me. And so in that moment, there is this neurological rapture, which create like you know in cross country skiing, they create these tracks where then that initial trauma get reinforced when the girlfriend leave you when the friends you have the fight and and you know you have this constellation of trauma that reinforces the narrative that you're not lovable and then when someone comes to your studio coaching studio the tracks of se- lack of self-esteem is so deep mm-hmm. that you you need to persuade them to go out of the tracks long enough to make new one but this is so hard you know it's telling someone like you know, fear of heights saying, don't worry, yeah. you, you know, yeah. you're not going to fall. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's like, you know, when the example of the, of the art show or, or just like a dog barking, when you, if you're four, you hear a dog barking and then it bites your leg, you go to the hospital, you get 20 stitches, you're five years old. And that's deeply ingrained on your neurocircuitry that barking equal pain. So you go through life, every time you hear a dog barking, you have this memory of pain. But so to detach, what are the tools that you use to rewire your brain? You know, we know from neuroplasticity that this is possible, and that's also already very empowering. But so what, what tools do you use? Do you use? Before I talk to, about the tools, I just want to share a few things, observations of what you share. People come into the coaching or therapy or healing modality when they feel they don't have any other choice, right? So that's one of the things. And usually people will come and the pain or the trauma or whatever happens in their life is so unbearable, they don't have anything else to do, but this is the final frontier. So when people do that, they also have certain level of willingness in order for anybody to transform, they have to have willingness, willingness to transform. If somebody comes, I'm talking from coaching perspective, I'm not going to get into therapy, and says, well, I would love to transform my life, but they don't have any motivation, any energy, any willingness, that's, that's completely wrong choice for them because what they really need to do is go to the deeper healing and understanding of the trauma, understanding what created raptures, going back, backwards in time, healing that, and then going forwards. There is no bypassing. But how do you do that? With trance, with psychedelic, with meditation? Yes, with trance, with psychedelic, with meditation, with therapy. Whatever the trauma is, you know, there are different modalities right now. I would, I would not personally, as coach, engage in healing trauma. I would say, well, you know, you have a trauma. You know, here is how, it, how this is impacting your life right now. So let's see what you can do in order to heal and restore and once when you restore your trauma, then you can get into more of the coaching. But they have to be willing. From the Yeah, they have to be willing. From the coaching modality, when it comes to trauma, it's, it's about witnessing. So the coaching uses one of these practices, that it's about observing and witnessing and looking into it together with the coach. Really, really, really looking into that situation. Not reliving it, not re-energizing it, but just becoming aware of it and becoming aware of that shadow because trauma creates shadow side in your personality, right? That you know you, we don't want to see because it's a shadow, it's behind us. So how do we do this in coaching? It's illuminating it, bringing light to it, and then choosing, okay, can we restore this trauma 
through the positive reinforcement, practicing, willingness, breath work, psychedelics, whatever the methodology is suitable for that person, or you need to go to a deeper healing and deeper process of restoration. Yes, because for me, and this is a little bit more my agenda here, is is, is that, you know, coaching is so important, but it needs to be can only be effective if there is an understanding of trauma. Mm. <laughs> because otherwise, and that then maybe I'm speculating, but you know, sometimes um, professional success might become um, an addiction. Yeah, yeah, of course. To the to the um, to solving the trauma, yeah. it, be- it can become like an expression, a radical expression of ego. And so it can murk the water, you know, what the question, what do you really want? You know, if you still feel that you have the wounded child inside and you go to Tony Robbins, and I feel that a little bit in that organization where there is excessive mm, desire for success and, 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 and recognition, which is basically a, scri- a cry for, for, for being seen. And then, and then, and then also, it can expand the pathology, and so we're not going to heal the planet if we have a generation of empowered by coach wounded people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, does it make sense? Of course, of course, of course. I, I'm completely with you. For me, coaching is much more deeper than that. It's it's not only about success and overachieving, and you can see this because coaching profession was positioned like that. Like you can do anything. You can become anybody. You can be successful. Yes, go, go, go. And then coaches works alongside you. Yeah, that's one of the function of coaching. It really is to help you achieve what you want. But for me, the question is not what do you want in coaching. The question is what wants to happen through you and with you right now. You know, what are you here for? It's not about you. What do you want? It's what wants to happen through you. How can you be at service to yourself and at service to others? And that, can you see what happens there? It changes the dimension completely because now you're in relationship to your deeper purpose, your relationship to the deeper meaning. Maybe you don't need to be successful. Maybe you don't need to have a house of, you know, on Beverly Hills in Los Angeles. Maybe, you know, you, what wants to happen through you is having a little amazing place in the middle of nowhere and meditating all day. You know, maybe that's your journey. But somebody told you somewhere that this is how you're going to be successful in life. And also, I have to put in, 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 in this conversation, the society in itself, the how our economic system is structured. You know, some people don't even have a choice because they need to survive, right? So survival equals success. Therefore, I need to make money. If I need to make money, therefore, I need to be super... You, you see what College I mean? for the kids. College for the kids and so on and so forth. So, you know. So that's why you're here today. <laughs> because I think that what you call evolutionary coaching is this new paradigm of coaching, which is not associated to traditional professional success, is associate, associated to the holistic well-being. So you mentioned... You know, it's not about what you want. It's about facilitating some sort of cosmic consciousness through you. So for our listener, I want to, you know, because then th- that's where the conversation goes a little bit woohoo. <laughs> and, and people would say, what do you mean, cosmic consciousness? What do you mean it's not about what I want? So I want to quickly touch on, um, 
on on what uh, Stan Grof is a Czechoslovakian psychiatrist and, and author and philosopher and is one of my heroes. He says that you know we're going through a paradigm shift. Like we did, you know, from geocentric to heliocentric, right? I mean, Galileo and Copernicus, when they were like, you know, at dinners with friends, you know, they were laughing at people thinking that it was the sun at the center of the universe and not the earth, right? And all around people were laughing. So like today when I, we mentioned divine consciousness, people laugh. But then, you know, what happened is that, you know, it was discovered that it was the sun at the center of the universe. And, and so... In the same way we had this paradigm shift from heliocentric to geocentric, we think, or Stan Grof think, that we're going to go through a shift from um, the scientific materialism worldview, which is not, people think materialism thinks about, you know, material accumulation. Scientific materialism is this idea that consciousness, self-awareness, came from our brain that you know the bing bang the single single cell amoeba then when the brain became sophisticated enough poof it creates self-awareness and that's how our world this plan is based on that medicine food philosophy everything is based on this fact that mind came from matter what Stangroff is suggesting is that, you know, maybe self-awareness and consciousness is not created by the brain, is regulated by the brain, but it came before the Big Bang. It, it in, you know, mind comes from matter. It was, it was you know, it, 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 it is source that created our self-awareness. So why is that relevant? Is if we start believing in this, idealism rather than scientific materialism, then there is something we can tap before being life in this planet. Mm -hmm. So if they are, you know, and this is what you feel in, in peak experience, you know, that sense of awe, awe that, that, that we have with either with psychedelic or fasting or dancing all night or vision quest or when, when we go out of our body, we have a sense of you know, the mystical experience is a sense of feeling the, this, this, this power bigger than you, but benevolent. And you feel small, but you feel so happy because you feel a sense of trust and love. And, 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 and in one of my psychedelic experiences, I really felt heaven, this like, Abandoned ocean, ocean of compassion, but okay. So forgive for this rant. But no, no, it's I love it. I love it. You just really synthesize it in the most beautiful way. Yeah, go ahead. Once you have this understanding, and that's why I think peak experience are important. Now I'm not promoting psychedel illegal psychedelics, but in a way I am, <laughs> with the, with the right with the right guide, with the right facilitation, yeah. or 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 again fasting dancing out of body experience because then once you have a sense of 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 the existence of source then then you can try to express it of course and i think it's absolutely necessary you know it's absolutely necessary to have those peak experience again going back full circle to a start of our conversation to reconnect if you don't know what you are reconnecting to you never had that experience through peak experiences you will not know what it, what it feels like so there is a map. So some people have this naturally, right? You know, if you look into the evolutionaries and philosophers and guides and spiritual teachers, gurus, 
they've never lost the sense of connection. So when somebody asks me in my interview, you know, how did you come into coaching? I tell them, you know, through excruciating pain, when I was a child, you know, I maintained my connection to source because I didn't have any option. Because my life circumstances at that moment in time, they were so challenging that as a child, I, I re- understood, okay, I have to stay connected. I can never, ever lose that connection, right? So that's my personal experience. Other people maintain that connection as well through, you know, being lucky that they have parents who are enlightened and people who are guiding them and so on and so forth. But majority loses connection, right? And they forget about it. And then they begin identifying with the ego. So the ego becomes the governing force, the mind, right? And then they would ask, what do, you, what do you mean when you talk about source connection, about creator, about, you know, w- w- what is that? So I think for people like that, the peak experiences are absolutely necessary in order for them to be able to remember. And then once when they remember, then there will be this, aha, now I get it, now I remember, now I can relate, now I know what it is. And those peak experiences, as you said, can be beautiful, connective transformational moments in your life when you feel the vulnerability, you feel excitement, you feel bliss, you feel something bigger is taking care of you. You you feel actually taken care, you know, of because actually we all want to be taken care of on a certain level and can relax and play, you know. So I think I'm with you. But what can be like a more accessible form of um, connection with source, like a walk in the w- in the woods, or a long swim, or m- m- intentional practices. You know, for me, the, the the connection. Okay, let me just kind of go backwards into this. The source and the connection to yourself needs you to engage. You know, the the source is benevolent and it never forces anything upon you. So you you will not have now. You have to connect to me, right? You will not have that. So how do you start this? Uh, you know, it's by intending to connect. The first thing, I intend to feel connection to myself. I intend to feel connection to the nature around me. I intend to feel connection to the world. I intend to feel connection to the source or the God, however you call it, right? That's an intention. Within that intention, that intention can manifest walking the dog. You know, you walk in the nature, you begin connecting to yourself through your breath, through the nature around you, begin witnessing everything, right? Swimming, same thing. While I'm swimming today, I'm intending to connect to myself and to connect. You know, that that's the next level. Meditating, meditating. It's the meditation. It's overused. I mean, even though now, now you know, as you can know, John Color, the gazillions of meditations up are popping up, so it's becoming popular. But meditation means basically sitting in silence with yourself, with intention. I'm connecting. Love making, you know, sexual experiences. I'm making love to my partner, but I'm connecting to themselves, to myself, to the source. So the sexual experiences can become a peak experiences of connection, right? But it needs to be an intention. It's not only now I'm going to have sex. It's now I'm going to make love and I'm going to have an intention to connect and reconnect to myself and to my partner and to God, right? You see what I mean by that? Intention. Intention, it's extremely important. And intention will come if you're miserable enough, if you don't have any other choice, right? So you feel disconnected. Or if you have a will to evolve yourself and you say, okay, part of my journey is to evolve, to grow, to become more aware. And my element, it's intention. So just some practical advice for for our listeners. So which, you know, for someone who has never meditated, Mm -hmm. What would be your advice? Which one is the easiest step one meditation for beginners? Uh, the easiest step one meditation for beginners for me, it's the one when you sit with yourself and you 
calm your mind. You know, the reason why people cannot meditate is because their mind is too busy. We process around, I forgot, 10,000 you know, your thoughts in the moment. So the mind, you know, it's very busy. So we, we kind of breathe, but, you know, my mind keeps on fluctuating. So meditation, when you connect to your breath and with intention to calm down your mind, you know, to really get into that space of the mind is a calm, still lake instead of busy volcano or <laughs> river. And how do you do this? There's gazillions of the guided meditation, <clears throat> excuse me, out there. You know, th that's the one, you know, calming your mind, breathing, calming, breathing, letting go of your thoughts, letting go of your thoughts, emptying out, emptying out until you have only just one thought, which is you. And that needs to be practiced. Again, spiritual bypassing here, for people who are not aware of that term, means that you want things quickly right now, right now. You sit in one meditation, and that's it. <laughs> you know, you're done. It needs to be a practice, right? So for, let's say, 21 days, which is the minimum of the practice, you just practice releasing the thoughts from your mind and calming yourself down. That will be the beginning for That's me. That's a good advice, the 21-day challenge. So people Google meditation 21-day challenge, pick one that fit for you and do the 21 days. And, um, and then be aware as you go through life that you know, when you are lost in thought, when, when, when you have the inner critic, like you know, Eckhart Tolle calls it the bad roommate in your head, which always commenting on everything you do and, yeah. and, and, and be aware that that's a voice, it's not you. And, and if you don't give it attention, the voice will go away. You know, it's only by start engaging with the voice. Say, no, it's not true, but then you give it power. And, you know, I personally had that, you know, when I went to rehab for my cannabis addiction, you know, I, I, I and I started working on my voice, you know, I really realized that I didn't have a voice, just one voice. I had a committee in my head commenting on everything I did. And, 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 and you, can't, you can't connect with source. You can't connect with your deeper purpose. You can't connect with others. And you live in a state of misery. So this idea of presence Cultivating presence, being aware what's of, of when your mind going in a tangent, mm -hmm. you know, critical thinking is very important, but the looping, it's, 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 it's corrosive, it's, 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 it's the cancer. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that that has a negative biological effect on your, bo on your body. Of course. Hey. So that's the, that's the first step, really, you know, mastering, mastering one's mind or working with one's mind and harmonizing the thoughts, right? And I also, you know, want to say something that I always say to people. It's that we need to be kinder to ourselves, right? How can I say? I have a big compassion for myself and big compassion for humanity. That is very important. Yeah, we need to be kinder to ourselves, you know, because if we are in this overachieving and we have multiple thoughts, yes, we do, but it's, it is okay, it is okay, loving and accepting oneself, right? being kinder. This is our conditioning. This is our journey, right? Instead of saying, oh, my God, I have to overcome all of this. I have to be perfect. But so how do you reconcile? Because there's like these two opposite forces. On one side, I want to accept myself. On the other side, I want to evolve. Yeah. So how do you reconcile? They have to be a dance. <laughs> they have to be a dance. They have to be a dance. That's a good. That's it a good has term. to be a dance. It has to be a movement of both at the same time. You have to dance with life. You know, it's a dance. You know, acceptance and evolution. Acceptance and evolution. You accept yourself through the love, through self-compassion, to really understanding that we are amazing. 
You know, we are as humanity. We are absolutely amazing. There is nobody else in this universe like us. And we have embarked into this journey of choosing to experience third dimensional reality of, of disconnection and polarity consciousness. And we are here and we are dancing right? and we're choosing to evolve. So, you know, for me personally, that, that when we exercise that deeper level of, of compassion to ourselves and everybody else around you, then everything becomes much easier. Well said. So I'm, I'm satisfied the way <laughs> this conversation is going. We clarify what for me was very important the, 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 the dance again between psychotherapy and self-knowledge with coaching and that's what you're doing with the evolutionary coaching. Um, there is one topic which I think is critical for me, um, which is um, one of the most important tool humans can develop to find their purpose and their center is creativity. Tell us a little bit, what is it for you? How does it come from? Where does it go? How do you cultivate it? Why people think they don't have it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when I teach co evolutionary coaching, I say in one of my opening statements, everybody's creative genius, right? And then when I say this to people, everybody freaks out in the room. And they're like, what do you mean everybody's creative genius? And I said, well, listen, it would be very boring if God made one Dali, one Michelangelo, one Mozart, one, you know, scientific uh, mathem genius mathematician, and everybody else is mediocre, right? I, I don't see this as, as, a <laughs> as a creation that will really make any sense to me on an intellectual level. It will never make sense. So everybody, there's only a few people who are creative geniuses. They're extraordinary. They're amazing. They tapped into something special. Everybody else is mediocre. So what I say, and people say, no, 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 but how can I even possibly believe that I'm creative genius? And I'm saying it's not about believing. It's about tapping into the potential that inside of you there is a creative genius that you didn't find because you were not educated in a way that it's unlocking your potential or nobody told you or you never even thought about it. So for me, everybody is creative genius. And for me, creativity is the most important force available to the humankind right now. When I talk to my kids, for example, who are in the school, I tell them, forget about your education. The only thing that you need to cultivate is creativity and imagination. Einstein said, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge, right? Imagination is more important than education. Him that we see as somebody who is a scientific mind, who has actually done so much, he's also talking about the creativity and imagination is the most important thing. Tesla said that all of his you know, downloads came from his creativity, creative soul, that he never actually thought about his, his um, you know, research, that everything was done from the pure space of creativity. So for me, in this society right now, <laughs> creativity is number one thing in the most important quality of the human nature that needs to be cultivated, loved, given space to appreciate it and practiced. Yeah, but so give us some concrete steps for, for people to develop, yeah. to be in touch with their creativity. From the coaching perspective, one of the most important thing is morning journal. So you start when people don't know where to start with creativity, they start with writing in the morning. They start really connecting to that space when you wake up in the morning and before your mind kicks in, it's a very, very potent space of you being in an in a alpha waves of your brain and that's the time when you begin writing whatever comes to you right writing writing processing writing and again like what we talked about challenge for meditation 21 days it needs time for your instrument to start writing 
when you are writing or recording or, you know, it, modern generation can do it on, on and, and this as a selfies, you can document it in any other way, you are become, be, you start to begin in relationship with your creativity. Again, <clears throat> there you need to have deliberation. Why, why, why are you writing? You're writing because you want to unfold, you want to be, get in relationship with your creativity and then creative thoughts about your day, about your business, about your family, about your creati- creative endeavors will come through that writing. So that's one channel, writing. The other channel, it's moving, motion, right? Being able to, in the morning, again, I love morning practices, being able to play some music and move in any direction without, not even think about moving, just allow your body to move, allow your body to source the creative energy, which is not linked to any thought. It's just pure thinking. When you begin moving, then suddenly you will activate your intuition, you will activate your instinct, and then the creative impulses would come from inside out to you. So that's motion, movement. The next thing, it's, it's about understanding and surrounding yourself with the creative people. Who do you feel inspires you, right? Is it art? Is it uh, YouTube clips? Is it books? Is it uh, geometry? Is it architecture? Is it, you know, nature? Who is your inspirational creative partner? For me, for example, it's nature. I love observing nature, the details of the flowers and the constellation and, and the soil and sun that comes through the soil, you know, that really, really inspires my creativity. What I want to do is draw it, right? When I look at that, I want to pick up the thing and I want to draw something. So creating this space for inspiration, for your soul to be inspired, right? You know, we we always say the art is inspiring your soul. That's the step number three. And then choosing something creative to play with, not to do, but to play with. What is it? What is your creative expression in your life? What is it? Is it writing? Is it sculpting? Is it dancing? Is it talking? Is it, you know, being a good friend? Is it, what is it? What is your creative expression that will get you in touch with your creative genius? And then creating enough space in our busy life to be able to express that creativity. So simplified steps. Very good. This is a thing is very, very useful. Morning journal, dance, um, you know, be exposed to people in in the in develop your interest, and then go deeper with people you respect in that. Mm-hmm. And then um, asking yourself, what is what is my creative expression right now, yes. right? So, and, and it changes all the time. It can be today I'm going to m- cook the most amazing meal. I'm going to use the substances I've never used before. I'm going to open the cookery book. I'm going to be creative and try something new, right? Or it can be. Today, I'm going to write a poem to my wife. You know, I've never wrote poetry. I'm a little bit shy, you know, and shame because I don't know how to do that really well. But I, let me try it out. Or today, I'm going to call my friend and together we're going to, you know, move this rock here and create installation. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So it, it's important to give the space to, cre- to creative uh, potential to be expressed. Yes, and transcend your vulnerability because you will fail and that will be and you will learn. Yeah. Um, okay, let me push a little bit the boundaries out of the <laughs> the coaching universe, <laughs> <laughs> out of the universe. Um, because one thing I forgot about Stan Grof paradigm shift is that you know the the scientific materialism really creates this sense of separation. You know, we are separated from nature, we are separated from each other. Uh, whereas the 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 opposite idea of idealism is that you know we all come from the same source. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite 
contemporary philosopher is Charles Eisenstein, and he talks about um, this transition from the age of separation to the age of connection. So um, how does it look to you, this age of connection, and specifically professionally, you know, business-wise, how, what do you think about competition versus collaboration? How, how do you think, how does the future of work look like? Hmm. Future work for me looks like uh, like an interconnected ecosystem. Uh, it's it's a big leap that we need to take, and and I think it's an exciting leap. And in the essence, it's the uh, theory of Otto Schammer. You know, the the ecosystem theory of Otto Schammer. He's one of the you know MIT uh, business professors that created the theory U. You know, the theory U. It's all about connection versus competition, collaboration versus competition. So creating interconnected ecosystem when people are being able to be themselves 100%. For me, that's step number one, a human element, right? Because before we used to all pretend and act and and, uh, bring different personalities to our work life and then show different personalities in our social life, different personalities in our family life, and that created distortion because we're not able to be authentic. People will put their suit, they will put their tie, they will go to the office and will become some, somebody else. Most of people, right? Especially people who are not aligned to their values and their integrity and so on and so forth. So this is not going to stand any longer, right? Uh, because the energies on the planet right now, where we are at our level of evolution, if you see our planet as an extraterrestrial from a galaxy far, far away, and then you look at the humans and say, where are the humans right now? We are in a pivotal moment of evolution where a lot of the old systems are collapsing and the new systems are showing up. So the business is an old system that has to evolve itself to the next level. And what I'm saying to you and to listeners is that the eco self-organized ecosystem, when each and every individual can be 100% authentic, they can be 100% in relationship to their core values, meaning they're truthful, right? They're not lying, they're not deceiving, they're not pretending, they're not being something they're not, but they're truthful meaning they're truthful to their strengths and weaknesses, they know themselves and they can be themselves. And this is what we're seeing in a uh, Z generation, a millennial generation right now. They're really, really pushing for that, really, really pushing to be authentic. And if they're not able to be authentic, they leave the job. So uh, self-organized ecosystem and everybody can be authentic 100%. And then collaboration, it's there as the predominant energy of exchange that capitalizes on each individual strength. There is a competition. I I think that we are not ready to leave competition behind us because competition can be fun, right? If it's positioned in a good way and used in a good way, it's not. And it's an incentive incentive for creativity. creativity. It's not like, okay, I'm better than you are therefore. No, it can be a lot of, if it's facilitated, it's fun activity. Like in sports, it's great. It's fantastic. So, but for us, we got a little bit, you know, too strong with competition in business, like too, you know. Yeah, like in sports. New individualistic and too comparative. And, you know, it was more about the distortion and lack of self-esteem. And this is how we competed. But I think competition will stay, you know, and it needs to stay because it creates this playful, you know, way of for ourselves. Individualistic. And the ecosystem, it's governing by itself, which is very kind of challenging for people to understand <clears throat> because it gets us back to the communism. It's self-governance. I come from that space as well uh, due to my background. 
But it's not about communism. It's about the ecosystem knowing what it needs to be able to express its full potential. And then all the members of that ecosystem, which is the organization, being in tune with that need and trusting the co- collective coherent energy of the ecosystem and following the energy through. What was the name of the M- MIT professor? Otto Schammer. So we're going to put it on the show notes. Um, so this is perfect. We just reached one hour. Um, I would like to repeat the um, the practical things um, and the, you know if if people f- resonate with the beginning of the conversation about you know anxiety depression self esteem issue i recommend gabor mate mm-hmm. um, he has been he started a, 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 an academy and he trained psychotherapists in what he calls um, compassionate inquiry ci so if you feel you uh, struggle with one of these um, Issues, you know, Google Gabo Mate CI and find a licensed therapist. Um, meditation, look for a 21 day challenge. And then when you're ready, call Zoran Todorovic for your evolutionary coaching. <laughs> when, when people can find you. Yes, they can find me at tnmcoaching.com, like Thomas Nicholas Marcus. Coaching. The new millennium. Here we are, you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the millennium. The age yeah, of yeah, connection. Yeah, yeah. But it, exactly, but it was more like the new millennium. It's too big word, you know, to put in the domains. So tnmcoaching.com and then Zoran Todorovic.space, those are the two. And then social media, you know. Very active. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Thank you for coming, and uh, we'll continue the conversation, I'm sure. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. Thank you. Coca-Sunara-Sunara-Yente Coca-Sunara-Sunara-Yente Coca-Sunara-Sunara-Yente